Welcome into the Bet US College Football Show. And goodness, do we have a good one today. This is the ACC and Big 12 preview for the teams with which we have found value, courtesy of BetUS, where the game begins. Go ahead and do a little introduction. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. To the right, we have an award-winning uh, winning handicapper, Kyle Hunter, is the owner and proprietor of huntersportspicks.com. You can follow him on Twitter as well at Kyle Hunter Sports. And of course, to the left, we have Parker Fleming, our numerical guru, the owner of CFB-Graphs.com. And you can follow him on Twitter as well, at Stats of War. Fellas, we have got a lot to discuss. Before we do, want to go ahead and remind everybody, there is a link in the description below. If you are watching on YouTube, of course, you can go ahead and sign up at BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. That is 2021, and you will get a 125% deposit bonus right there for sportsbook exclusive betting. It's not part for the casino. It's not part for anything else. It is just for sports gambling. Go ahead and check it out. Up to $2,500. Do yourself a favor. Sign up at BetUS.com. Let's go ahead and make sure that everybody is subscribed. Now that we are a little bit deep into the show, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and leave a comment. We would love to hear your thoughts on the show. Hit the like button for us as well. That helps out with the YouTube algorithm. Fellas, uh, Kyle, first off, you doing okay today? Doing well, man. There's a lot of fun games to talk about here, teams to talk about. Next week we'll have games, right? So oh, yeah. uh, it's almost here. It is almost here. Parker, is everything going well in your world? Oh, absolutely. I, I woke up this morning and, uh, you know, did a couple push-ups, had a cup of coffee and said, you know what, it's, it's, it's almost time. It's the uh, kickoff's getting closer, man. It's getting closer. It is so much closer. My goodness. Well, let's go ahead and fire this thing off. We're going to kick off in the ACC. First team up is the Miami Hurricanes. Now, Manny Diaz, year three, they got De'Aaron King back. Pretty much everybody else is back for the Canes as well, except for maybe a few defensive linemen. Go ahead and get to the odds here. They got a good shot of winning Coastal Division plus 125. Their win total sits at nine. Now, it's juiced to the under, minus 130 here. There is a lot of returning production. The offensive line could finally be a strength. This is year two of Rhett Lashley. We will go ahead and start off with Kyle. Kyle, give me your, your thoughts on the Hurricanes this year. So I'll keep this one quick because I have to be honest, uh, I'm worried about King coming back from that major injury and I don't know what to make of it. I think that's why we've seen a lot of juice on the under. I know uh, it's been nine and a half some places and then it just gets bet down. Nine now under minus 130. Um, I can understand if King is going to be healthy, then I think this is a good over. But that's a big question, Marco. Obviously, uh, Phillips and Roche are big losses on the defensive line as well. Uh, to me, this is a Miami team that has a really high upside, but they're uh, floor is a little bit lower than I want for taking a team over nine wins. So I'm going to pass on this one. I don't have any strong feeling. There'll be lots of other teams that I have more strong feelings about. I got a strong, strong feeling because I all the reports that I'm hearing are that King looks fantastic down there. Now, obviously, you want to hear that out of camp. I get that. But you've got Tyreek Stevenson coming in to help shore up that secondary. You've got Charleston Rambo coming in to help out the wide receiver room. And they have rebounded from losing pass rushers on that defensive line three straight years. I don't see any reason why they couldn't do that again. Uh, Parker, you got any numbers for me that, that might help my cause here with the, with the over even money? 
Yeah, so so I got to say, the first thing that stands out about me is Miami scheduling. Man, on a year they miss Clemson, they schedule Alabama in the offseason or in the, in the non-con. Golly. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm, I love scheduling ambitiously and all that, but, man, that just seems – that's rough, man. That, that, that one, two, three to start versus Alabama, host App State, and then, you know, you, you host a Michigan State team that I think is, is better than their record was last year. Um, man, that's, that's a little rough. Uh, this one is makes me very nervous because the word I would use to kind of talk about Miami's offense in 2020 is instable, right? They were um, very explosive, but they weren't very successful often. I think a lot of people watched Miami versus Louisville very casually. His first game of the season, you know, maybe had a watch party and just kind of had an eye on the TV uh, and did not really see that Miami's explosive offense against Louisville was entirely related to an unbalanced formation that Louisville did not practice for and did not account for. And so Miami, I think, had four huge plays that were just entirely results of mismatch and not really results of of kind of their offensive prowess. And so I, I don't have as many concerns about the defense. You know, I think people in, in the Miami sphere would, would tell you last year, oh, we're mad about the defense. We need to fire the D.C. We need to do this. I, I don't think the defense is as bad as, as people think. It was 50th in EPA, you know, 20, 85th against the rush. They had two games, North Carolina and Clemson, where they just completely lost a handle on the offense uh, or on the op- opposing offense. But their offense was was 32nd overall, and that's including being really, really explosive. Only a 27.6% uh, first down rate. So again, not really consistently successful. Um, I, I, I love Rhett Lashley. I think he can do a lot of offense. Uh, I, I, I love Derek King. I think that he can do a lot offensively for the um, for the Hurricanes. I am worried about his deep ball potential. You know, he's only uh, about 33% accurate on balls 20 yards or more downfield. So even though he was 0.391 EPA plus pass last year, he really wasn't that consistent. Uh, only a 65% completion rate in, in non-garbage time. So what I would like to see is is a little bit more uh, intermediate game from him. And if you believe that his knee is healthy, if you believe that the tight ends can continue to be uh, a really, really fierce weapon, and that's not just related to mismatches, um, I, I think this offense has to be really, really potent. I'm worried about over on nine, nine and a half, though. That that seems pretty high. I think there are games left and right that are traps. Um, you know, at Pitt is really, really feisty. Um, and then you you get like I said that that non-con. So I, I'm rambling about Miami. I have a ton of thoughts, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm out on this one. Totally fair, totally fair. I will stand alone on this mountain with Manny Diaz, and we will get to our ten wins. They are a projected double-digit favorite in ten games this season. They do have a bye week before they face North Carolina. I think those are helpful things. Uh, I yes. There's a lot of tricky games here, a lot of tricky games in the ACC overall. Before we go further, I do want to ask you, Parker, we use the uh, EPA term quite a bit. Can you explain to the audience, you know, very general terms, what exactly EPA is? Yeah, the elevator pitch is that EPA is expected points added. It translates yards to points and context. So uh, long story short, it's really good if it's third and three and you get three yards it's really bad if it's first and 10 and you get three yards, right? And so all we're doing is kind of consistently saying, where are you on the field? What's the down? What's the distance? What's the game script? Uh, and then kind of using a really simple, stupid model just to say, let's let's equalize these and make these more important, uh, or excuse me, more comparable across situations. So again, we're not you know taking the average of uh, yards per play 
uh, among plays that are that are trying to get different yards based on difference, right? I want to be able to compare apples to apples. And so EPA just translates yards to points in context. It's basically uh, a, a number that says how much value did you add in terms of increasing the probability of you scoring a touchdown? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That will take us into our next team, Florida State. We're going to stay in the Sunshine State. Mike Norvell in his second season with the Seminoles, and the schedule is brutal. Brutal. So let's talk about just one odd that really matters here, the win total, five and a half. It is juiced to the over, minus 140 here. The reports out of Tallahassee right now say that Jordan Travis is taking the most first-team reps. That is not what we expected when McKenzie Milton transferred there. Uh, obviously, the injury was brutal for Milton. We get that. There is momentum here, but I don't know that this is the schedule to build it. Parker, let me go back to you. Give me some ideas on what to think of the Seminoles this season. Man, this was a really, really bad team last year. Um, <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, you know, in terms of taking sacks, that uh, Travis was one of the one of the worst in the country last year. He took negative seventeen points worth of EPA on on sacks, and I have them as expected losses in all but two of their you know two of their games. They weren't even competitive in their um, in their losses last year. They have problems uh, along the offensive line. That's one of those things, man. It's it's if you get behind in your offensive line development like they had under Willie Taggart, it's really hard to get ahead of that. And I think given the way that the practice is going, I think you have to believe McKenzie Milton is not healthy. Um, and so this team was 49th in, in offensive EPA last year, but 115th in defense. I don't see any reason that's going to change. I don't like this schedule. Um, I, I really, really think this is a team that could fool around and lose at Wake Forest. Um, I, I, and, and their non-conference, having having Florida on the schedule, this is rough. I, I, I think I go the under here on Florida State. I think Norvell's building again uh, this year. Kyle, give me give me your thoughts here on the Seminoles, and, and I'll kind of roll through the road schedule after uh, after you finish here. Yeah, so, I mean, for Florida State, you want to think that they would get better. You know, recruiting-wise, they should have better players than what they put on the field last year. I mean, that was a really poor product, like Parker said. Uh, having said that, you look at the schedule, and you wonder how they're going to get to six wins. It's hard for me to see it. Um, and I was going to say the same thing. I assume McKenzie Milton is not very healthy because he was so good that you would certainly have thought he'd be first team. You know, he'd, he'd take the snaps here. To me, Florida State might be a team that you don't want to bet against every single week, ATS, because I don't think the market's that high on them in general. But you look at their schedule, and Gary, you can touch on this more here in a minute, but it's really hard to find six wins. I mean, how is this team going to win six games? I think they are a team that can pull the upset like they did last year. Uh, you know, we, we saw them play good in a couple games, but I don't think they're going to consistently be able to beat these good teams. The ACC is better than it used to be. I don't see six wins on the schedule, so I like the under as well. It's, I am I am also rolling with the under the road schedule. So far, they, they host Notre Dame opening weekend, right? That's at home, but they are expected to be, I think it has opened up around eight, somewhere around there. I think it got out to 10 and it's come back down. You know, it's more than a touchdown. They are expected to lose at home. And then, of course, your road slate. At Wake Forest, you don't want to mess with Dave Clawson. Uh, North Carolina on the road. You know that Mac Brown is just uh, salivating at the opportunity to finally beat Florida State. Clemson on the road. Boston College on the road. And that one is later in the season. And then you got to go to Gainesville against Dan Mullen's Gators. This is insane. And then they host NC State, Louisville, and Miami, which are all losable games. This is tough. 
this is tough to me. I think that there is momentum here for Mike Norvell in that bunch, but I, I don't see how that's going to continue on this season. So I am going under as well. Let's, uh, let's continue on. The NC State Wolfpack, North Carolina State, and, you know, the schedule helped them out quite a bit last season. Dave Doran and that bunch. Uh, go ahead and talk about the odds here. Six and a half is your win total. And it is juiced to the over, minus 125. And I was a little bit shocked at this. A little bit shocked, but, you know, we, we can discuss this. Uh, offense coordinator Tim Beck, he has improved the offense, but most of their wins in 2020 came with the quarterback Bailey Hockman, who has now transferred over to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, the defense has no real weaknesses, but no real strengths either. They got 19 returning starters this year, which is normally great, but there are a ton of losable games on the schedule. Uh, Kyle, we'll, we'll go back to you. It, tell me about Dave Doran and, and this uh, Wolfpack here. Yeah, first, I think Devin Leary is better than Bailey Hawkman. Leary was really good at the beginning of last season. Major injury. That was a really ugly injury. Um, you know, Leary, 78.9 PFF grade, 12 and a half average yards uh, depth per pass. So this is a guy that can get downfield. He, he was a good decision maker last year. I think there's a lot of upside with Devin Leary as long as he is healthy. I think NC State could be very good. NC State's offensive line, 24th in run blocking grade on PFF last year. Look, Bam Knight and Ricky Person, there's not many better uh, tailback tandems in the country than those guys. I really think that NC State's going to be able to run the football against just about everybody. And if hold Devin on, Leary's hold even— Hold on, let me jump in. Are you telling me this might be an old man football play that I need to jump on? <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. I wasn't—that's not where I was going <laughs> with it to start with, but— you, when you, you hear an old man football play, you oh, start yes. perking up, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, got, it's, I, I, I do up. think that, yeah, <laughs> I think that um, this could be an old man football team that that has the home run hitter ability too. I think the defense is good enough. They're not amazing, but they were 19th in the nation in explosive plays on offense last year. And Devin Leary is more explosive than Bailey Hawkman. I know that for sure. So I, I think that this is a team uh, if you look at the defensive side, too, they only blitzed on one-third of plays last year, still put up 32 sacks. So they can get pressure on the quarterback without bringing everybody. Uh, pretty important. Secondary, certainly a relative weakness, I think. Um, there's not a ton of teams that I think will be able to throw it all over them. There's some teams on their schedule that can. Now, the one thing that, that makes me a little bit nervous about this one, a really tough schedule. I think this is a very tough schedule for NC State. I do think this team gets to seven wins. I'm going to take over six and a half. I think NC State's going to be a good team to bet on week to week as well. Now, I heard old man football quite a bit, but then I heard explosive plays and all that good stuff. And, and Parker, that makes me think of you. Give me, give me something about the Wolfpack here that that will strengthen this overplay for me. Yeah, I'm I'm going to use a word. All right, hit, get ready for the bleep button. But I'm prepared to crown Devin Leary as a gunslinger. Um, I'm thinking specifically <laughs> about the Pitt NC State game last year where, you know, NC State goes down, they get the ball with what, like, you know, 20, uh, like, a, like a minute and a half left or something, and eight plays, 80 yards with 140 left, and Leary is is wheeling and dealing, you know, they're, they're nine yards, 22 yards, six yards, uh, all, all the way across. So, so I like Devin Leary. I like Dave Doran's kind of boring consistency. I think as a fan of Dave Doran, I'm glad that he did not go to Tennessee when those rumors were happening, because I think he cannot do much better than where he is. This, this, I, I think this could be one of those situations where, you know, looking at the schedule, I, I, NC State could be five and one 
and ranked in the top 15 heading to Miami on October 23rd. It will be the most deceptive 5-1 and one in the world because they'll have wins over USF, Mississippi State, Furman, Louisiana Tech, Boston College, which isn't exactly um, fearsome. But the, the back half of this does get a little dicey. Uh, I, I think the over is pretty nice there, though, because, again, I think if NC State is what they should be, you get, you know, uh, a Louisville team that's beatable, Florida State, Wake, Syracuse. I can win. I can win all of those, and so that that, that actually works out pretty nicely. I, 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 you know, I'm a little bit worried about the early downs uh, because they were 58th in in first down uh, rate, uh, and their early downs EPA was also 58th. That's slightly negative. Um, and so again, I think with Leary, they're definitely uh, a lot better. I like the Tim Beck kind of rehab tour, um, and and what he's doing there. So I. I think the over here is 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 pretty decent. Last year they were they were definitely um, you know kind of better than the eyes uh, showed, and, and the schedule helped out for sure last year. I uh, I will guarantee this. By the way, if they start out three and zero, they will absolutely be ranked in the top twenty five because the pollsters need to be able to boost up Clemson's ranking whenever they whenever they get to play. I believe that game is in week four. Uh, you can almost count on it. If NC State opens 3-0, and they will find their way into the top 25 somewhere around there. And that will move us to a team that will probably not sniff the top 25 whatsoever this season. That would be the Syracuse Orange. And I do have to ask if this is going to be Dino's last season to be able to fix things. Dino Babers uh, last year was a disaster dealing with opt-outs, COVID regulations, etc. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the odds here. The win total sits at 3 and it is juiced to the over, minus 145. And, yeah, it's pretty low total. But, look, last year, dreadful offensive line play, doomed quarterbacks all season. There was zero running game. Defensive, you know, it, it was aggressive 3-3-5 scheme, but they, they could not get to the quarterback. Parker, tell me about Dino. Tell me about the Orange. Do we have anything to hope for with an over? Can Dino save his job up in Syracuse, New York? Man, this is depressing. This one, again, feels like I'm kicking somebody while they're down. Syracuse, 120th in EPA margin last year, 124th on offense, 87th on defense. First down rate, 18.6 on offense, which was 122nd. Um, their average third down distance was 8.445 yards. Uh, so <laughs> just, man, uh, all I'll say, I'll say something nice. I'll do I'll do a, you know, the, the sandwich. Uh Rex Culpepper. I was going to say Rex uh, Rex Chad. That's a different person. That's a Twitter person. Rex, <laughs> Rex Culpepper, man. Long hair. He looked like Sunshine, Ronnie Bass. And, and you know, comes in. They have a story about him, I think, beating cancer. And he throws a touchdown against Clemson. And you're like, all right, let's go. And then it turns out that was just, you know, a random, random fluke play. He's gone. Um, this is a real rough team. I don't see the wins. I, I, don't, I don't know. They could lose to Ohio. Like, I would not be surprised that they've got Liberty. Yeah, they're going to beat you, Albany, but then they've got Rutgers, who who, who could be sneaky. Um, Dino should have taken a job, man, when he had a chance. I know that's really rough to say and kind of not related to, to betting generally, but it's going to be another rough season for, for Syracuse in the Dome. Um, and I, I don't see any kind of offensive consistency. You know, sometimes when I'm looking for a, a team that was bad to take a jump, you think about Notre Dame when they went four and eight and then went to the playoff the next year. You think about TCU in 2013 that was four and eight. Both of those teams had an excellent side of the ball and then were just unlucky on the other side of the ball. Syracuse was not unlucky on either side of the ball. They were actually fairly lucky, uh, according to my metrics, and they were still very bad. So. Uh, I, I just don't believe anything uh, good about this team. I don't see I don't see three wins. I hate 
I, I do like, like Kyle said this before, I, I, I don't like low totals. I don't like betting under just, it seems weird in a probabilistic sense, but man, this is going to be a real bad team. It is very possible that they only win one game th- uh, this season. Uh, it's, I, I wonder what Dino is without Sean Lewis. I think that we've seen it, but either way, uh, Kyle, give me, give me your impressions of the orange this season. So I went into this um, trying to find a reason to take the over because, like I said before, I don't like taking unders at this number. I have to take the under if I take anything on this one. You know, Syracuse, they were plus three in turnover margin last year and went one and ten. I mean, that's really hard to do. I mean, if there's a stat that really would stick out to me of all of them we're going to talk about here, they were one and ten plus three turnover margin. So somehow they should have been worse. You know, they were fortunate. Uh, Syracuse. Uh, 26.14% on third down. I think that speaks to what Parker just said. You know, when you get down into third and really long, you're going to have a really bad third down conversion percentage. Do we think that that's going to change this year? I mean, I think Culpepper was bad, so uh, could be a bit of an upgrade at quarterback. Having said that, they're they're weak on both the offensive and defensive line. This is a team that uh, scored a touchdown on nine out of 21 trips into the red zone. So, you know, 21 trips into the red zone in, in that many games is a pretty bad sign, first of all, the fact that they can only get there that many times. But, you know, with the kind of offensive line that they have, you're going to get behind the sticks more often than not. That hurts you quite a bit in the red zone. You know, I have to say, you know, regression to the mean for a team like this, do you think that they're going to score more in the red zone? Possibly, but they had plus three turnover margin last year and still were that bad. I can't find the wins on the schedule, guys. You know, I, I don't want to go against my rule of taking under this low of a number, I have to. I have to break the rule here. Totally, totally understand. When you only see one guaranteed win and not that many toss-ups, uh, it is, it's difficult. It's a, and, and you've got plus odds on the under, so why not? We're going to move on. we got two more in the ACC, the Pittsburgh Panthers. I love talking about Pat Narduzzi. And this was an old man football team for a long time, and then they brought in offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, and, you know, a third season with him, Kenny Pickett's been there for basically my entire adult life, it seems like. But they do have explosive players, high upside receivers. It's kind of up to Pickett this year. Odds on this one, to win the Coastal, I mean, they're plus 1,000. If you think that another year with Kenny Pickett, all the experience coming back, that that could be, could be decent. Uh, the win total here is 7.5, and, and it is juiced to the under, minus 130. I... I trust this defensive regiment that I trust them to develop a strong unit, right? Narduzzi, uh, Bates, that bunch. But they lost a ton of guys to the NFL draft. I kind of expect them to, you know, downgrade just a little bit on that side of the ball. I don't know if the offense can pick it up, even though I do think that they've got some weapons. Uh, Parker, tell me, tell me what you think about Narduzzi's bunch. Yeah, I think I think that Pitt is a good example of kind of a boringly consistent team that is going to have a higher upside because you know the defense is going to be good under Narduzzi. Um, uh, and, and last year, I think they were actually a little worse uh, against the pass than than you would think um, on, on defense. They, they had uh, some guys like opt out midway through the year, right? I think that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. They did, and they had some injuries, um, and they're they're going to return. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on a name, and I'm so sorry. Um, they're returning a defensive end who opted out entirely in 2020, but led the team in tackles in 2019. So like, they lose Quincy, uh, not Quincy Roche. That's uh, Miami. Uh, Rashad Weaver. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so they um, 
they're replacing they're replacing him with an experienced guy. So that should be seamless. Um, on defense, 23.1% first down rate. But I will highlight with the offense, it was pretty bad. 76th overall in EPA at 0.048. But my, one of my favorite stats is kind of this quality possession rate. Um, rain me and Gary. But football is kind of like bowling in that, you know, we get a number of possessions and like you go and I go and you go and I go and whoever has the most at the end wins. And so I look at like quality possession rate. How often do you get a first down across your opponent's 40? Pitt was 12th in the nation at quality possession rate, 73.5% of their non-garbage time possessions. They were, they were getting an opportunity to score, but they were 95th in, in converting those into points. So that's, um, that's really bad. And so I, I think Pickett being, uh, you know, a little bit better, I am hearing from inside, you know, in, in inside from from Pitt, a guy, um, Lucas Kroll is a Florida transfer who's going to be a tight end, completely under the radar, absolutely huge guy, 6'6", 250, runs a 4'5", and I think he's going to be a big factor on the on the defense, or excuse me, on the offense, and so you start to look at their schedule, you start to look at how consistent they are under Narduzzi, I think eight wins here is really, really easily, uh, four, four non-conference games they absolutely should win. And and then, you know, that it comes down to all you have to do is win three of Virginia Tech, Duke, UVA and Syracuse. I feel really good about that. I'm, I'm smashing over over 7.5 for for uh, the Panthers this year. I, I can get down with that. Kyle, uh, go ahead and jump in here. I we both like the over here. I I like Narduzzi. Give me your opinion on the Panthers. OK, so some disagreement is is good. I'm going to take the under on this one. Uh, Kenny Pickett to me is no more than mediocre. Uh, they were 103rd out of 128 teams in PFF passing grade last year. They lose Weaver and Jones from the defensive line. They lose Hamlin and Ford as safeties, really good safeties. This is going to be a good defense. I'm not trying to say Narduzzi's defense isn't going to be good. It's more of a thing. I don't think Pickett is that good. Uh, their running game is not that great. My concern here with taking the under is I don't think the schedule is tough. So, you know, you could get to eight wins even without being that good. There's some signs of regression on both sides here, Parker, because they had some ridiculous fumble luck last year. Pitt fumbled the ball 22 times on offense. They lost four of those. So that was the luckiest of any teams. You know, you that can't keep happening. You can't get it back every single time like that. So, you know, if they don't take better care of the football than that, I think their offense could struggle. Um, I think the defense is good. I don't think the defense is as dominant as before. So it's not a strong play for me, but I'm going to disagree and go with the under. Totally, totally fair. I, I love disagreements. I, I need more of those on here. <laughs> All right, let's dive over to the Louisville Cardinals. Third year under Scott Satterfield. You would have thought when he was hired by year three, they would have this thing rolling. And last year was a setback. Now, all the losses pretty close last year. Turnover luck was definitely awful. Uh, let's talk about the odds right quick. The win total sits at six and a half. It is juiced to the under minus 145 here. It, if there is some regression with that turnover luck and whatnot, it could mean a bounce back. But I'm curious what the trust is like in the locker room after Satterfield publicly flirted with, you know, some other jobs in the offseason. Quarterback Malik Cunningham loses a ton of still, uh, skill guys, but they've got the entire offensive line back. Defense was the most efficient since 2017. They were still number 75 in that metric, and they gave up chunk plays all season long. Kyle, let's let's jump back over to you. Give me your thoughts on the Cardinals. So to me, Louisville was a turnover machine last year. Malik Cunningham, real problems taking care of the football, and that was with Atwell and Fitzpatrick and Javion Hawkins in the backfield there. So 
he loses a lot of skill position talent around him. The offensive line is back, but they're not great. You know, they're no better than mediocre. Um, Louisville's defense gives up way too many big plays. Uh, Parker alluded to it earlier, uh, the Miami game, I believe it was like two one-play touchdowns that were for 75 yards back-to-back. Uh, you know, I remember having Louisville in that game, not being thrilled with the result in that one. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was between whether I wanted the over and Louisville, I took the wrong thing, clearly. Yeah. Um, well, and there was a there was a great Brevin Jordan the tight end touchdown where he just did one of those classic like, am I sure that no one is actually around me? Okay, cool. I'm gonna go to the end zone. Like you saw him kind of look around like, why am I not covered? And then went to the end zone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and to me, Louisville's defense is still going to be a weakness. Their safeties are not good. Uh, when you have bad safeties, it leads to things like that. You know, good teams with a strong safety. Um, you know, are not going to be able to give up those massive chunk plays as often as Louisville does. I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to change that this season. And you have Cunningham on the offensive end. You would think maybe he could be better, but how's he going to be better without that skill position talent around him? And you look at the schedule, um, it looks to me like Louisville's going to have a hard time beating six wins to me. Now, I don't love the choose. You know, I'm not a guy that really loves taking minus 145, but I'm going to take the under here. I think Louisville is favored in five games this year at most. So if they're going to be favored in five games and they lost as much as they did last year, even though I think Satterfeld is a good coach, uh, I'm going to take Louisville under the total here. I I can totally understand that. I feel the same way about it. But it it more has to do with I don't know how much development you can do with players if they don't trust you to actually stay there. I mean, I've heard some some not good things coming out of there. and And while they do have talent, I just I have to wonder what the chemistry of the football team is actually like. Parker, you got a you got a thought on the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Kyle addressed all my concerns. I think they're also really bad at fitting and stopping the run, which is just again, I, I mean, you just you got to be good at something for me to expect. Okay, the other parts of your game can kind of increase. A lot of turnovers, um, a little bit iffy. I think I'll talk about them a little bit more when we get to uh, you know who's uh, like non-conference matchup about Kentucky tomorrow, but. Um, yeah, man. And and then the numbers on this, too, I don't, I don't get I don't you know, I try not to get too deep in this, but like even money on six and a half and then minus a 30 on over uh, on under. Uh, I don't care about this. I'm, I don't want this one at all. Yeah, I, I think Louisville's going to be really bad. And I think nothing about this entices me um, this this bet really at all. Yeah, totally, totally. But there's a reason it's used to the under, right? That makes perfect sense. We are ready to shift conferences. We are headed to the Big 12. And we are going to fire this thing off with Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy's bunch. Went eight and three last year. Look, you know, it looked okay, but it, still, people were not exactly thrilled with how things went. The regular season win total sits at eight, and it is juiced to the under minus one thirty. And there's there's a lot going on here. It, Spencer Sanders returns. You got running back LD Brown, who was pretty impressive last season. You got a ton of new skill talent. You got three offensive line starters back. Offense is rarely the problem under Gundy. Uh, Kyle, let's let's jump over to you. Uh, well, before we do that, go ahead and remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. We will be going live on Wednesdays and Thursdays during the football season. So make sure that you are subscribed to the BetUS College Football channel. Uh, but Kyle, tell me your thoughts on Spencer Sanders and the Cowboys. So Spencer Sanders is the big question mark here to me. You know, a couple of years ago, I thought Spencer Sanders was going to be a great fit for this offense. I think everybody did. You know, he has the wheels to make extra plays. He was supposed to be a better passer than he's been so far. 
Uh, if you look at the PFF numbers for Spencer Sanders, it's really interesting. Across the middle of the field, he's made some really bad decisions. Uh, I think that's a, a big red flag for me. You know, if you can't make good decisions in the middle of the field, you're going to give it to the other team too often. And now you lose Dylan Stoner and Tylen Wallace. Um, Hubbard's gone. Obviously, Brown was probably better than him last year in the backfield. So I think they're good at running back. But the wide receivers are clearly worse than they were before. Uh, I know Gundy has been talking here in camp about how amazing Spencer Sanders has been playing. Gundy does do this type of thing sometimes. We know some of these coaches are more prone to, you know, talking up players to try to boost their ego, things like that. I think that's what this is until proven otherwise, because I don't trust Spencer Sanders. The Big 12 is good. Uh, under eight, this is a good number here at BetUS. Uh, you have to take the minus 130, but you know, to me, that's very fair. I, I see this as a pretty tough schedule. I will say the Oklahoma State defense is good, but they have given up a lot of big plays. 26 plays of 30 yards or more and just 11 games last year. That's too many big plays. We saw a couple of their games get really high scoring because there was just back and forth shootout. I really think eight is the ceiling for this team. Uh, five returning starters on offense. You know, we've talked about it before. Uh, there's a lot more returning starters than normal for most teams this year. Oklahoma State's one of the rare teams that doesn't have that many people returning. I think it's going to be a tough year for them. I like Gundy as a coach. I think he's a good coach, but I like the under eight here. Now, Parker, it, you know, he he brought up the defense was good, but they gave up a bunch of chunk plays. Now, they did go from 38 points per game down to 28 points per game last season. Was there anything to that? I mean, they returned 11 of their 12 top tacklers from last season and eight starters on defense. Is there something that Gundy and, and Jim Knowles have found that could lead to some success, and maybe that's why people are, are viewing this as a team that, that could possibly surprise, or, or is there something else going on here? Yeah, I think this is the first year that Oklahoma State is not um, overrated in the preseason. I think Gundy's offense kind of gets a lot of credit that they may or may, I mean, they deserve, but maybe they get a little too much credit. Um, yeah, I, you know, Sanders was injured last year. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, um, a couple guys up front on on defense um, uh, were, you know, kind of were hurt and were in and out like forward at defensive end. I, I think they have some really disruptive defensive guys. This defense last year, 17th overall in EPA per play, 19th against the rush, 19th against the pass, 17th on early downs EPA, negative 0.107. Uh, one of the better defenses that Oklahoma has ever had. Uh, what I like about Jim Knowles is Jim Knowles is not a scheme guy in that he came in and tried to run a 3-4 and said, nope, this isn't working in the Big 12. We're going to shift what I'm doing. And uh, and so I really respect that. I think this defense is really, really good. I do think it hinges on whether Spencer Sanders can take that next step. I do wonder what the offense is going to look like because one of my favorite stats about explosiveness is kind of the difference between your yards per reception and your A dot right? Average depth of target. Brennan Presley, who is basically the, the returning receiver for, for Oklahoma State, 17.9 yards per reception on an A dot of just under uh, just under 10. And so really, really, you know, working on him to get kind of yards after the catch, that doesn't seem sustainable, especially when you don't have a deep threat like Tylen Wallace or Dylan Stoner, who I think is really, really underrated last year. So, um, it's not obvious who the outside rushing, uh, outside passing threat is, and in absence of that, that that offense I think will stall early on, unless you know when they have a couple freshmen who've signed who could immediately come on and and be that outside guy. But it, it just makes me nervous 
um, uh, offensively. So I think they'll have a really good defense again. You know, Malcolm Malcolm Rodriguez comes back, Rodarius Williams, Colby Harvey Peel, like some some really really good names. Not, I mean. I could. I think we have a lot of NFL guys. This could be one of those defenses we look back and think, "Oh wow, I can't believe they were this stacked." Um, but uh, so, so I think I actually might might go the over here, uh, just because, you know, they're consistently in that eight to ten range, and and so I think history and the defense they have gives gives their offense some time to kind of play out, and and figure out what they want. Plus, they don't they don't you know they have. Five five games in a row and then a bye week before they play Texas um, as kind of their first tough opponent. So I I like this. I think they'll they'll have some time to figure it out, and I think their defense will be feisty enough to carry their offense next year. I, quick that quick would question. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I jump in here real yeah, quick? Of course. Um, so you see the defense is being really good. Question mark about Spencer Sanders. So from a total standpoint, do you think this could be an under team, you know, to bet some unders? Because the lines are going to be high for Oklahoma State games. We don't know what tempo they're going to play at this year. This could be a bit uh, different looking offense. I'm kind of wondering if you think that this could be a team to isolate some unders with. What do you think on that, Parker? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you look at their drives last year and, you know, they're consistently in the 13 to 14 range. Um, and so that's that's a little high, but their points per drive is is pretty low. Uh, I thought, for instance, like I kind of fell into that trap last year, the Baylor Oklahoma State game. Those were two of the slowest teams uh, and the fewest possessions. And I thought, man, I'm smashing the under on this. And it was 42 to three Oklahoma State. So um, I, I actually think this will be a, a defense that is really efficient on a per play basis, but they're, they'll have a lot of drives. And so I think we'll see more overs than you would think just because they're going to stop people on drives pretty consistently, but they're going to have a lot of drives. Fair. Now, Oklahoma State, I was actually looking up. Oklahoma State uh, had four overs and seven unders last season. So, you know, that, that would make sense. That would make sense. So we will move on from there. Let's go ahead and dive into the team across the state. I mean, we're talking Bedlam anyway. The Oklahoma Sooners. Lincoln Riley, a lot of people believe that this is the season that they have been waiting for ever since Bob Soups won the national championship back in, what, 1999 or two? Was it 99? I think it was. So. No, that was Texas. I'm 02. 02. No, it was like 99 or 2000. It wasn't I'm, I'm getting old, Gary. My years run together. <laughs> They've been waiting around a long time for a national championship winning team in Norman. The odds here to win the conference minus 220. The win total sits at 11, and it is juiced to the over minus 120 here. Now, there's a lot to like about this team. Spencer Rattler's back. I don't even know that he is the most talented quarterback on the team, but we don't have to discuss that. They have a lot of experience on offensive line and defensive line. It's mixed with young, explosive skill players. There is just a ton to like about this team. I think this is the defense that Alex Grinch has been waiting to build up to. They got players all over the field. I am a massive fan of this. And I know that it is tough to go over. Just like Kyle does not always like to go with the, the low unders. Not a lot of people like to take the high overs. But I am convinced that this Oklahoma team will be 12-0. and going through this Big 12 schedule. I've got them going over the 11 here. Uh, we will start off with Parker. Parker, give me your thoughts on the Sooners here. 
We're going to, I'm sending you to the principal's office about Spencer Rattler. We're going to talk about that later. Um, I think this, this OU team, it, you know, last year, again, COVID year, things are weird. Basically two drops away from going to the playoff. Um, you know, a, a pretty timely, unfortunate third down drop against Kansas State and another one against Iowa State. They, 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 they had 6% of their passes dropped, 22 drops. And I think if you look at kind of how they go on their last five games, those drops basically didn't, um, those drops basically went away. Uh, I, I think this team is excellent all around. Don't forget, don't sleep on Kennedy Brooks, who opted out of 2019 as a really good back. I think people, you know, with returning production, again, people say, oh, no, you know, they lost uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who's really, really good. Kennedy Brooks is going to fill that gap and might be better. Uh, you know, uh, Austin Stogner, a, a crazy weapon. Um uh, and just someone who's going to be really annoying. And then you look at Weiss, Mims, Hazelwood. It's really hard to see a flaw in this offense and the skill positions. I think this this might be breaking news, and and so I don't want to tell stories out of school. Wanya Morris is uh, the Tennessee transfer at tackle is having some eligibility issues. Their their offensive line is actually a little bit of a house of cards because of that. Not that their you know their backups aren't, aren't good, but I think that Alex Grinch finally has his players in his system and his defense has been improving. This is absolutely the year I think they could get a top twenty defense. I don't think anyone in the Big Twelve matches up well with them. Uh, I'm more confident than not that 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 Bill Bedenbaugh is going to have you know a great offensive line again, and and that would be the only area of concern for this team. Last year, sixth in passing EPA uh, on offense, you know, 46th overall in in EPA uh, on defense. So uh, a pretty stout team that is going to be better this year. And Spencer Rattler was kind of inconsistent last year, and he got better. He got benched in Red River last year. I think people think yes. that as well. Um, for Tanner Mordecai, shout out to SMU, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I I don't know where the loss is, uh, especially because they host Iowa State. Uh, and so I, I think the over here is a really nice play. It's in the non-conference. I mean, the, the most difficult game there is Nebraska. I mean... And I don't know that we have a whole lot to worry about with Scott Frost bunch, especially I, coming to Norman. So I think Tulane's uh, going to present a bigger challenge than <laughs> Nebraska. You're probably right. Going down and playing in that heat in New Orleans. Uh, Kyle, give me your thoughts on the Sooners here. Are we looking at a possible national championship team, uh, especially looking at this schedule? Can uh, can we get them over the 11? Oh, you're muted, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, Alex, oh, Alex Grinch is playing such good defense. He actually <laughs> muted Kyle right there. Just yeah, denied just, him totally yeah, in the line of scrimmage. Up the fact that it has been more than 20 years since they won a national title. So, um, yeah, I got caught again. But uh, Oklahoma, 60th in the nation last year in third down conversion percentage. So, to me, uh, that's a spot where they should get a lot better, right? We don't, we don't expect to see Oklahoma's offense only be 60th in third down conversion percentage point of, offense. Point of information, though. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um they didn't get to third down a lot, though. That that's sure. that's kind of one of those stats where I'm like, ah, the, you know, group sizes are different. They probably had one of the fewest number total number of third downs overall, and so that's why I like like the first down rate. They were eighth in early down first down rate overall, 33.5 percent. I think third down avoidance is often a lot more important than than third down conversion, especially with the disparity. Uh, disparate group sizes, but you're right. I mean, I have them 86, I think, in third down conversion. So I agree, they were rough on third downs, but also they just didn't get to third downs very often. Yeah, and they probably won't get to third down too often this year either. But I, I do think that when they get to third down, they'll probably be better than they were last year. Alex Grinch's bunch is getting much better on defense every year. As a Buckeyes fan, 
uh, too bad we let Alex Grinch go. You know, I think Oklahoma got a really good hire here. You know, uh, that's the Buckeyes' weakness now is their defense, and there's Oklahoma getting better. Uh, I sound a little bit bitter, right? But Oklahoma's offense should be extremely good. Uh, Gary, I think I might be higher on Spencer Rattler than you are based on what you said. I, they do have some really good quarterbacks there in general. Uh, but I think Rattler really improved at the end of last year. Looked very good in the bowl game, certainly. Uh, you could question how much that game really meant. Uh, to the other team, but still, Oklahoma, it's hard to find a loss on this schedule. And Gary, I think this is definitely their best chance uh, at getting a national title with Lincoln Riley. Uh, they, they have a real good shot at it here. I can get down with that. Now, let's discuss their biggest competition. And that would be the Iowa State Cyclones, or at least we think. Preseason polls-wise, they are currently a top 10 ranked team. Uh, Iowa State, this is a team under Matt Campbell that brings back a ton of guys. They they had maybe the best season in Iowa State history last year. To win the conference, they are plus 250. Their win total sits at 9.5, and, and it is juiced to the under, minus 140. Now, you might question and say, well, wait a minute. Why would a top-10 team be juiced to under 9.5? Well, the non-conference schedule is a little, uh, I'm not going to say daunting. They host Iowa who is a top 20 team and a team that Matt Campbell has yet to beat. That's, you know, the in-state rivalry, all that is, is difficult, but you know, this is a team that I'm very curious. They went four and two in one score games last year. They may have hit their ceiling. If you look at the talent on Iowa state, they have never won 10 games in a season. They were number 57 in 2020 in 247's total team talent. That was number eight in the Big 12 last season. How much higher can you reasonably expect this team to go? Do we think that they can get to 10 wins? It's juiced to the under for a reason. I'm going to go under. Uh, Kyle, let me go back to you on this. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the Cyclones. I'm really torn on this one, Gary. I, I'm curious to see what Parker says about this one, too, because I love Matt Campbell. Campbell's a really good head coach, and I, th I think some people probably still underrate him. He's 60 and 43 against the spread all time. As an underdog of three points or more, 27 and 13 ATS, they obviously will not be in that role as often as they have been in the past. Um, having said that, you know, my concern with Iowa State, with, if I wanted to bet the over, is Brock Purdy. And when Brock Purdy started here, I thought he was going to be just a superstar. His numbers have actually gotten a little bit worse if you look at his passing grades here. Uh, Purdy is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback like th I thought he might be. He does have really good talent around him. Uh, Brees Hall, really good. Uh, loaded at tight end. This is a Iowa State team that does have a lot of talent. Um, I'm scared to take the under here, Gary. I think that uh, Matt Campbell is such a good coach that I don't want to go against them. Having said that, I do look at the schedule and I, and I see what you said that, you know, it's hard for them to get to 10 wins. You know, we look at their past history. And everybody's high on Iowa State too, right? We've, we've heard a lot of people talking about Iowa State. Look, this is a top four or five team. I I've heard so much uh, publicity about that. That worries me about being high on a team like that too. I don't want to be with the team that you know everybody is talking about. So to me, this is a pass. I don't want to bet against Matt Campbell, but I think uh, nine and a half is too high to take it over. He's the good guy. Of course, you don't want to bet against him. We all understand that. We're all pulling for Matt Campbell, and we all want Iowa State to do well. And when I say talent, I'm talking about just composite rankings, you know, 247, all that, recruiting rankings, all that good stuff, because we understand that Matt Campbell can develop talent. 
his coaching staff has been able to do that. They got four All-Americans. That's more than any other team in the country in the preseason. That's very impressive considering what they have actually uh, recruited. So, Parker, let me get you in here. I know that you are familiar with the Cyclone program. I know you're familiar with Ames Tapwater. Tell me about the Cyclones. What what about this team can get them to their first 10-win regular season ever? Yeah, so I, I think the 10-win stat is something I see a lot of people cite on Twitter. It's kind of misleading because, like, they, if they had had an FCS game last year, they would have won 10 games. You know, like, that last season, they did, they did pretty great. Um, I do think that, again, I will mention that returning production only goes so far in a season where everyone's going to have returning production. There's not a lot of asymmetry. I feel like last year was their shot. I do feel like what Kyle said um, in the sense of there's not really a lot of value of saying, oh, everyone's in on this team as an underdog because they are technically an underdog for the Big 12. Um, also, they, they're going to get everyone's best shot this year. They're, 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 they have a target, and I think that matters. Um, I will say in regards to beating Iowa or not beating Iowa, um, Ian Forster says just because a thing has been going strong need not mean it doesn't go strong. I, I think I messed that up. Uh, <laughs> but basically just saying like, it doesn't, you know, past performance is not indicative of future uh, future results. So yes. I, I'm less concerned about the, oh, Matt Campbell can't beat Iowa. Um, they, they've been close. They've gotten some unlucky bounces. But I do think that they're a pretty good and consistent team. I think that their um, offense is kind of a pro style. And and I think that they their big play rushing will be uh, a lot more of a focus this year, which may free up somebody like Xavier Hutchison on the outside, but I don't love their downfield threat. I, I think Brock Purdy is uh, makes some poor decisions when it matters. And so I, I'm not, I'm not betting this one um, either way. It's like, Hey, I look at the schedule. I don't see the losses, but I go to bet it. And I'm like, ah, it's, it's minus. And I just don't, I just don't know if I trust them that much. So I'm, I'm out on this one. I'm passing. Totally, totally fair. Let's move on to a team with, uh, I guess we could say championship pedigree, Kansas State Wildcats, Chris Kleiman, the head coach, of course, from North Dakota State, national championship winning coach from there, and he took over for Bill Snyder. The odds here, the win total sits at five and a half. It is juiced to the over, minus 145. They they get Scholar Thompson back this year. That is definitely a welcome improvement, uh, I think, for the passing game. And running back Deuce Vaughn kind of turned into one of the country's most versatile playmakers. Uh, offense has some pieces uh, to be really creative with, I think, this year. Parker, go ahead and tell me, tell me your thoughts here. I think this is a really well-coached team. They were, they were terrible at tackling last year. That's a fundamental issue that I think the coaching staff can get corrected. I don't know if that had to do with practice time or whatever last year, but, but tell me what you like about the Wildcats. Yeah, their, their defense absolutely has to get better. 5.5 is so low for this team, though. Um, you know, again, you think they, they played Will Howard most of the year last year. Um, Will Howard is not a starting quarterback. Will Howard is is a good depth power five quarterback. Um, he, you know, <laughs> completed only 55% of his passes, 29.5 first down rate. Um, Deuce Vaughn is just an absolute freak. Uh, and I, I like to say Deuce Vaughn is not a running back, right? Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is a wide receiver who lines up in the backfield sometimes. And they run this, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little too um, football here, but I, I, you know, I love this stuff. They run this little angle play with Deuce Vaughn where he motions and then gets on a linebacker and then just burns this linebacker. There's a, uh, go back to the Texas Tech game. There's a touchdown where a Texas Tech linebacker raises his hands and looks to the sidelines 
and they don't call a timeout. And Deuce Vaughn scores on that play. He's like, I should not be covering Deuce Vaughn. And it happens anyway. <laughs> so, one, I think that's on tape. I think those mismatches won't be as easy to come by this year. But I do think Skylar Thompson substantially raises their floor. You look at this schedule. Stanford, Southern Illinois, Nevada, Kansas, at Texas Tech. Then you got to beat one of West Virginia or Baylor to get, you know, to get six, I'm in. I'm 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 betting the house on on Kansas State over six point or over five point five. I think that this is uh, a really low total for a team that brings back all of their defensive line, has a sneakily underrated um, secondary, and I think people want to say, oh, they lose Wyatt Hubert, their disruptive pass defense, but they lose a capital G guy on defense, but they return four solid guys there. So I think the unit gets better even as they lose, you know, an NFL caliber defensive end. So Kansas State, supremely underrated. Quarterback consistency is going to be really great. Offensive line is going to be, you know, just excellent this year. Plus, they get a transfer, Danny I, uh, a tight end from Illinois, who, uh, could replace Briley Moore in, in, in a way that it's just going to be very scary to have to, you know, account for that one-two punch of Deuce Vaughn's speedy explosiveness and uh, a huge, massive tight end that could just be a bruiser. You're telling me that Jay Norvell and Carson Strong and the Nevada Wolfpack coming into Manhattan doesn't terrify you a little bit? You just talking up W's over here? Okay, that one, that one's kind of that one's kind of scary. <laughs> but again, Carson, Carson Strong is out because, uh, you know, Carson Strong's knees looking a little weird. Yeah, I think yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> I mean, look, man, the air raid's the air raid. It's not like, again, I'm not trying to dog on the Mountain West. I'm just saying. You, Kansas you know, State should win the game. They Kansas, should win. Kansas State should absolutely win that game. Is that one? Will that be scary? Yes. But I'm not yeah. betting Kansas State to cover six games. I'm betting Kansas State to win six games. So, there you, uh, go. you know. <laughs> Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Kansas State Wildcats here? First, Gary, I think you probably saw it. I kind of sat forward when Parker said he was betting the house on uh, Kansas State over. I kind of perked up a little bit over here. It was like Gary when he hears old man football. Uh, this, this is one of those where uh, I'm going to have to look at this one a little bit more because uh, I don't think I'm going to bet the over. I'm definitely not betting the under. Uh, Kleiman's 15-7 and seven ATS here at Kansas State. Uh, this guy's a good coach, clearly a very good coach. And uh, Parker touched on something I was going to. I think the drop-off from Thompson to Will Howard – is more drastic than most people realized. So if Thompson can stay healthy, it's big upside for this team. One big concern, and Gary touched on this earlier, Kansas State ranked third to last in the country in tackling grade, according to PFF last year. That was ahead of Hawaii and Temple. So not great company down there uh, for defenses. Uh, that surprises me quite a bit. Uh, you know, I think that probably was COVID issues. There at the end of last season, Kansas State missed several guys. Two of their last three games, they had terrible tackling grades, and that kind of tanked their, their score for the entire season. I do think Kansas State's defense is a bit of a concern to me. I think Thompson will help the offense a lot. I don't have the same conviction that Parker has on this one, but I'll, I'll lean to the over slightly. I can uh, I can get with that. I can get with that. Now, I, I'm probably going to stay away from it. It's not one of my favorites, but I could. would it surprise me for Kansas State to get to even seven wins? Absolutely not. So I, I can roll with that side of it. We'll close out the Big 12 with Texas Tech. And I think that Matt Wells needs to have a good season this year. I don't know what the number is that he needs to win, but the regular season win total sits at five and a half. It is just the same on both sides. Minus 115. They were four and six last year. They went four and eight in 2019 in his first season. Uh, Tyler Shuck comes in as the quarterback from Oregon. 
Uh, hopefully I said that right. Parker, you can you can correct me here in a minute if I did not. But this is a. Uh, this is, I mean, they've always got a good passing attack until last year, and they brought in, you know, veteran offense coordinator Sonny Cumbie. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of this team. They they haven't finished above 500 since 2015. Uh, the defense, I I just I don't know what to make of this team whatsoever. Parker, let me let me bring you in on the Red Raiders because I I do not know what to make. Yeah, I will say Sonny Cumbie is just David Yost in a different wig. Uh, I do not think that the offensive upgrade there is, you know, offensive coordinator is really going to matter very much. I will say the seat is hot. Um, this is probably more for my TCU podcast, so I'll, I'll plug that and say, go listen. I'll, I'll talk about Texas Tech and the, the forward <laughs> insurrection uh, regarding Matt Wells that never was. But um, this is not a good team. And Tyler Shuck might be a fine quarterback. Um I just think that, you know, I, their offense could could score. They could be feisty. I do not see the defense being disruptive um, at all. I think last year they were, you know, they were 66 in EPA against the rush, 75th in EPA against the pass. And those were inflated because they stopped the pass. They committed. Like the Oklahoma State game, they held Spencer Sanders, I think, just, just uh, a couple of completions and let uh, LD Brown just absolutely run all over them. Uh, and Des Jackson Jackson had a pretty great game against them too. I have them as a, a negative win expectancy in basically all but two games last year. Um, 16 to 13 against Kansas to close out the season. I, I think one of the biggest selling points against Texas or for Texas Tech this year is the transfer of TJ Stormont and saying, oh, their offensive line is great. People talk about their pressure rate last year. The problem with looking at pressure rate for a team like Texas Tech is that they throw a lot of screens. And so, of course, you're not getting pressured on screens. What you're doing is instead of getting sacked, you're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage and getting tackled there. So those are effectively sacks or, or failed runs. I do not think this offense... Um, has the consistency to do anything kind of um, anything scary at all. Eric Izukama, NFL wide receiver, there was nobody else there. Uh, and so even if, you know, they do have a decent rushing attack with two really, really good running backs, Xavier White and Sir Roderick Thompson, I, I just do not think that their defense is going to do enough to let them score. I think Matt Wells is, is, is on his way out in Texas Tech. I'm going under five and a half. They're not making a bowl. Count it. I count it. That sounds strong. Okay. Kyle, you feel the uh, the same way here. Uh, I can't argue for the over for Texas Tech. You know, you look yeah. at this team, their run defense, 84th, according to PFF last year. Also, according to S&P, special teams, they were 123rd out of 128. We all know that those special teams can lose you a game or two if you're that bad. Uh, I certainly think it's going to be interesting to see the new offensive coordinator come in here and try to let it fly, play really fast. I'm reading these articles about how they're going to play extremely fast, get that air raid going. So the defense is going to be a lot of pressure on it. So does that look like a good idea? It doesn't look like a good idea to me. Um, you know, the pass happy, really fast paced team over sound good to me for uh, betting totals in these games. I will say, I think that's a great point by Parker, too, about the uh, offensive line. And it, the, the stats are skewed a bit because they do so much of those screen passes. And it, it can look like your offensive line is far better than it really is. And I think that's definitely the case here with Texas Tech. So uh, you look at the schedule, I don't think their schedule is terribly difficult. But I don't think they're a great team by any means. Like you said, you know, how do we see a big improvement coming from them? New quarterback, okay. 
the rest of the team doesn't look like they've changed that much. And I don't really think that going faster and putting a lot of pressure on that defense is going to work very well. I think that the opposition is going to be very efficient against this Texas Tech defense. Bet the over on Texas Tech. Uh, also, I can't, I can't, we can't talk about Texas Tech without me reminding everyone that Texas Tech against TCU last year kicked a field goal on second and four down uh, two scores on TCU's 19. They had all three timeouts left. I do not know what goes on inside of Matt Wells' brain. Um, I hope he enjoyed Lubbock while he was there. Yes, he did three seasons. No, that's that's not mean at all. If you look at the schedule, they can certainly open up with the loss to Houston. And you've got Stephen F. Austin, should be a win. You've got Florida International, we think is probably a win. And then at Texas, at West Virginia, and TCU to start off Big 12 play. Uh, That's rough. That is rough. So we, uh, I think we all agree, we're rolling with the under on Texas Tech. And that brings us to our recap. Let's go ahead and roll through this. On today's show, we have covered the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I like them going over the nine. Florida State, I like going under the five and a half. Uh, Kyle has got North Carolina State over six and a half. Parker likes Syracuse to go under the three. And Parker likes Pittsburgh over seven and a half. Kyle wraps up the ACC with a Louisville under six and a half. Moving to the Big 12, uh, Kyle will take Oklahoma State under eight. I have got Oklahoma and over 11. I've got Iowa State under nine and a half. Parker has got Kansas State over five and a half, and he's got Texas Tech at under five and a half. Kyle, we'll start off with you. Any of those as as any of your favorite bets? You know, uh, I I love several of these quite a bit, so I I think it's kind of tough for me. I'm going to take NC State over. I know it's a tough schedule. I still think Devin Leary, he needs to be healthy. If Devin Leary gets hurt, then it's screwed right away, obviously. Um, You know, the same thing could probably be said about Kansas State. You know, you really need Skylar Thompson to be healthy there because, you know, Will Howard is a big downgrade. But I think NC State is a better team than most people are giving him credit for, a well-coached team. So I'll take NC State as my favorite. Parker, how about you? Uh, you know, I, I I do love the Kansas State pick a whole lot, um, but, you know, I'm going with my boy Dino. Uh, Dino, one last ride, man. Make me some money this year and then go take a couple years off. Go fishing, you know, relax and then and then find out, you know, what you want to do next. Um, but, yeah, that Syracuse man is going to be uh, – I don't know what the opposite of must-watch football is, but I feel like Syracuse is going to be the opposite of that this year. Um, I like tracking, you know – most percent of plays in garbage time, and I'm expecting Syracuse to be on the uh, be be one of the highest teams in terms of number of garbage time plays this year. So I like that Syracuse under three. Sorry, guys, don't you know Dino? I love you, man, but uh, it's it's going to be a rough year up up north. And the one that I'm going to roll with is Oklahoma over 11. I love this team this year. I think that they are going to be in the national championship game. I don't know if I've decided yet on if they will win the national championship. But we will get to that tomorrow. We'll figure all of that out. That is going to wrap up today's show. We appreciate you all for watching the BetUS College Football Show. Do not forget, you can use the promo code at BetUS.com where the game begins. That promo code is NCAAF2021. It is right down in the description. So go ahead and sign up for that. It's a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500 and it's sportsbook exclusive. It's all for sports gambling. So go ahead and knock that thing out. If you've not already, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit the like button as well. We will be right here every Wednesday and Thursday, all season long. 
So go ahead, subscribe, make sure you get notified and all that good stuff. And of course, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Those links are in the description as well. Uh, with that said, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. For BetUS.com, where the game begins, we will see you again next time.